0: Welcome to the Be Brave Podcast, where ordinary, badass, brave women speak their stories of courage and strength. We hope that by hearing the struggles and successes of women, just like you, it will help you be brave.
1: Please note that the Be Brave podcast does cover adult topics that include overcoming adversity and areas of sexual abuse, addiction, depression, and other difficult experiences.
2: Turn a phrase into a weapon or a drug. You can be the outcast to be the backlash of somebody's lack of love. Or you can start speaking up. Nothing's gonna hurt you the way the words do when they
0: say We are so excited to
2: introduce
0: our guest, Madison Thayer, owner of Six Degrees Media, on our Be Brave podcast today to share with us her story. Madison is a native Floridian living in Dunedin, Florida for over two decades. She is passionate about connecting with people and making a difference in their lives by having positive interactions. When Madison isn't creating content for clients on social media platforms, she is outside walking, traveling, or spending time with her family and friends. She dreams of being a published author and public speaker to impact people's perspective on life. She has thought, provoking message to share with us today about her experience on how infertility isn't equal to a woman's identity. Thank you so much, Madison, for being with us today. And Kara is going to read a quote for you that we read to all of our guests.
1: One day, Madison, you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. So That is our hope for our podcast and today's episode with you. Welcome, Madison. We're so excited to have you.
2: Thank you so much for having me and inviting me. And that is a really inspiring quote. I love that.
1: Good. I'm so glad. So would you please tell us your
2: story? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So 13 years old, I was fully developed, had hair and uh breasts. And I didn't have my period. So I go to the doctor and they do an ultrasound. And at 13, I was told that I was born without a uterus and could not have kids.
0: Wait a second, Madison. I got to stop there. Did you know what a uterus was at 13?
2: Well, I knew that it held babies. So.
0: Okay. All right. Keep going.
2: Yeah, so after they discovered like on the same day after they did the ultrasound, they did an exam down there and saw that I was perfectly normal on the outside and I didn't have the regular hole, I guess as you would say, for the to to have vaginal sex. So when I was told that at 13, I made some pretty big Choices for my life. I said, you know what? I'm never going to be loved by a man because because oh, I can't have kids because that's because wow. that's just as a young girl you fantasize about sure. being married and having kids and having this like dream life, and that was out the window for me. So I was like, gosh, might as well just be a lesbian, <laughs> which. Which is not, you know, I guess it's logical at 13, but (laughs) (laughs) it's just, I was, I was devastated and my mom was devastated and it was sad. I was like, I I felt helpless and, you know, of course there's options, right? There's surrogacy, there's adoption, but nothing, those options aren't, aren't good enough. not to a 13 year old who's like you know how it is uh when you're a teenager yeah. it's especially tough so i i dealt with that and well and then, and, then, and everyone else is
1: getting their period and talking about it and you can't have that similar conversation so that had to be i I'm guessing that was also embarrassing
2: yeah i mean it is it's i I feel like i'm an anomaly sometimes Cause you know, girlfriends would ask me if I have a tampon. No, I don't have, I don't, I don't even, I don't use that. You know, I have no idea. Or yeah, they would, you know, share that. And I couldn't relate. And you know, you go to the doctor and then every time you go to the doctor, they're like, when's your last period? And I say, I don't have one. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I was born without a uterus. And they're like, oh, I've never heard of that before. Oh, thanks. So I'm like, Thanks. You just made it worse. Thanks. I'm on an Island over here. (laughs) So, uh, and that made an impact on my whole life in certain areas of my life, you know, because I, yeah, I feel like that is a birthright for women just to, to be able to have kids. And I felt like my birthright was taken away. My confidence was low and I, I didn't have a high self-esteem because I, it was like kind of why bother if, if I'm never going to be in a relationship with a man, if I can't provide him with kids, you know, that's how I was looking at this. And it affected my whole life from my health. You know, I was obese my whole life after, especially after that, I didn't necessarily care about what I ate or, you know, my, my habits were unhealthy and that made a huge impact on my body and you know it's interesting when your body gains weight it's like a protection yeah right because it's it's not who you are when you're larger or overweight or even obese it's just like extra protection to not be attractive to to other people or just to eat my feelings you, you know it, I was, and I'm still working on that, but I'm an emotional eater. If I'm okay
0: for our listeners, though, Madison, uh, we're, we can see you on zoom. You are not an obese person. No, not
2: anymore. Not anymore. (laughs) So
0: we know that there's another story behind that because you are a small human being right now looking at us. So that's, that's pretty awesome. It tells us that you've done a lot of work. And I have a question for you to just to back up for a second, Madison, I would imagine and you could tell me if this is true or not. I would imagine that the day that you were told you were born without a uterus is etched in your mind. And you can probably put yourself in that doctor's office. You could probably see the scene like it was yesterday. You could probably see your mom standing in there. You know what the doctor is wearing, what you are wearing. I'm curious, like, do you remember after walking out of the doctor's office, what was a conversation that you had with your mom? Like, was your mom, you said she was devastated. So for a 13-year-old to see their mom devastated might have a huge impact as well. You know, obviously your mom has a story about this day, I'm sure too. uh, And I'm sure that it's a big, significant event in her life for you, her child. But what what was that like for you? What can you share with us at that moment, if you're comfortable?
2: I think my mom was devastated for me. Sure. Right. Because my mom is a mom. So she has gotten a lot of joy from me being her child.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're a pretty cool lady.
2: <laughs> so I think that I, I just like, I, I, I made an impact when I, on her, when I was born. So I feel like, and I, you know, I haven't had this conversation with her, so I think it's a really good conversation to have. But what I think her perspective was just really sad for me, and she was very supportive and was like, "You know what? I would be your surrogate, absolutely. Oh. Like, like oh. we're just we're oh. kind of in this together type of thing." And that's awesome, Madison. We're great that so support. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I didn't my mind was kind of closed off to that at the time. I was like, just, I was upset, but I was still thankful for her and her guiding me through this. And yeah, I, you know, I can remember that day. And what's really great about that, I don't know if I'm skipping ahead a lot, I could be, but I went to therapy and we My therapist and I kind of walked through that day. And she had me walk through that day and what that meant several times. And each time the story kind of changed and morphed. And from the beginning, I was resentful. I was like, I felt like I lost out. Like I I didn't get my birthright. Yeah, like this is my right to have a child as a woman. And by the end of the exercise, I was grateful. I was like, this is the best thing to ever happen to me. And there's a lot of things in between that. You know, yes, I once weighed 297 pounds. And I that day that I went up the escalator at the mall and was out of breath was the day I was like, okay. I was scared that someone would see me out of breath just by walking. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. So I I actually had a gastric bypass in 2017. And, you know, before I could have the surgery, I needed to see a psychologist to make sure I have support and make sure that I was able to lose weight on my own and build healthy habits. And then 2017, I had the surgery and I'm like really excited that I weigh 153 pounds right now. Woo! Like awesome. That's so awesome. That's amazing. You lost a whole person. I did, but I gained so I gained love for myself. That's what I gained. I, I look at myself in the mirror and I think I'm attract. I know I'm attractive. I'm like, who is this person? And it's just I'm so lucky. I really rely on gratitude. Like when I'm feeling down or upset about something, gratitude is one of my best tools that I that I pull out of my toolbox of many things like journaling or meditating or walking, things like that, but gratitude for me has changed my whole perspective on life.
1: That's great.
0: Tony Robbins says you can't be afraid or depressed when you have an attitude of gratitude, when you're living in gratitude. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good for you, Madison. Thank you. Yeah. So Madison,
1: how did this affect your relationships with men? So did it affect your dating? Did you shy away from dating because you just figured, why bother if, if I can't have children eventually? And how did that impact your, you know, dating as, as a teen? And then obviously later on in
0: years. Wait before you answer that. You mentioned that you were thinking that maybe you should just be a lesbian. Can you transition us into? Are are you a lesbian? If you're comfortable answering that, or have you gone to the side where Kara's saying and um, had relationships with men?
2: So all throughout, even high school. So I I went on a date when I was in sixth grade, and uh, <laughs> we went to the movies. Our, my parents picked him up, and they like. <laughs> Saturday. That was like my first date experience. He ended up being gay, which I just thought was says something about me. Right. But I went through my whole high school and and never really dated. I had a lot of friends that I was really social with and, you know, occasional experiences. But uh, when I was 18, I went into a relationship with a woman okay. for like three years. And then I was like, no, this is not who I am. Uh, this is not what I want. So after I got out of the relationship with the woman, I was dating men. I was interested in in having a relationship with a man. And so because I I couldn't have sexual intercourse normally, I didn't have that surgery until I was 24. I had surgery to have sex at 24. So there was a time period from 21 to 24 where I was going on dates. Sometimes they ended up back in our, you know, at their house or my house. And then I would have to manipulate that experience and control that experience to not give myself away, right? Because if I couldn't have sex, but I wanted to, then I had to. Develop certain moves and certain. I I actually developed like a kind of a script almost like, okay, we're on page one, act five. Like, it was more monotonous and not enjoyable. So it has affected my relationships. Even after I was able to have the surgery, I still didn't have the confidence that I have now. I was, you know, I experienced abusive relationships that took years for me to get out of and uh, like with physical abuse. And, you know, when someone's in a relationship that has abuse, it's easy for someone else to say, get out. What are you doing? Like, why are you with that person? But it's not easy for the person in the relationship because this this is the first man that ever showed me love. And I'm like, you know, I was holding on to that because mm-hmm. I wanted it to work because I wanted to build my confidence. And that was even still like when I was larger. So I was, I was obese. I was, and then someone loved me and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this can work. I can have sex and like, you know, all this stuff. And it, it just, after I got out of that relationship, I would, I started focusing on myself. I was like, okay, That abusive relationship ended and my weight loss journey began. And when I lost weight and took control of my life, the whole world opened up. The whole world just like became available to me. And that, and for that, I am grateful. It's like you have to go through these experiences that are not positive that you're not sure why it's happening to you right now but you have to get through it to see the other side of it.
1: Wow, that is incredibly powerful and I'm I think I that was very strong of you after get first of all getting out of that relationship, but after getting out of that relationship saying, "You know what? I want to work on myself." Because it took me much longer to finally say, "I need to work on me." Yeah.
0: I think Madison, like some of the things you you said about your journey just then were so profound. Like all of us just want a sense of belonging and we want to be loved, right? I mean, that's like our basic human need. And so we will allow ourselves to be in relationships that are toxic if we're getting those basic human needs. And we feel like we can't be worthy to someone else. Like we're just, so grateful somebody showed up and is is gonna love us. Oh my God, I'm accepted somewhere. And so it's probably starts in our own head of not accepting ourselves and not loving ourselves first, right? How can you expect that? Right. And one other thing I heard you say that kind of came to mind was if you hadn't loved yourself and you hadn't made that decision to change and to take control of your life, it would have been the same experiences because. The only way we can predict the future is based on the past without intervention. But if intervention comes along, then the whole future changes. And that's what you provided for yourself. You intervened and you took control, which is so incredibly like awesome at 24 years old, you were able to make that decision. That's a very young age to learn that.
2: Well, I... I sometimes you have to intervene on yourself. You have to like, take it, like take an honest look at your life. And like, for me, it's just, this wasn't working. This is not what I want. And so how do I make a change? And, you know, being healthy and experiencing, you know, we, my belief is that we are souls living, that we're we're living souls that have a body. Like we have a body. My body is not, it doesn't define me, but it is part of who I am. So, how I take care of that is a direct representation of my values, of my beliefs, of who I am, because there's something about a person that has extra weight that makes me, because I've been there, I know that they don't necessarily care for themselves. The, the way that they could, which causes me to trust them a little less. Because if you're not going to take care of yourself, then how are you going to take care of my, my personal matters, or if I'm hiring you for a service, or even going into a relationship with you or dating you? Or, you know, that's it's um it starts from within and it's that conscious choice to be like, okay game over. We're done. We're done doing this. And this is how we want to live moving forward. And going back to infertility is not your identity. A lot of women, and honestly, all of society judge themselves or others based on the relationships that they have. Like women sometimes define themselves by the amount of kids that they have by their kids and their status. Or their husbands, or that they're a sister, or that they're, uh, you know, an aunt, or whatever that looks like. But really, you're defined by your core values and your beliefs and what your quality of life is. You're the only person who spends all the time with yourself. You're always with yourself. No matter where you are, you're with you. So, what's that relationship like? And now I can say, you know, it's not perfect, but it's controlling my mind and noticing, oh, that's an uncomfortable feeling. What is about that? You know, and then turning it around because I could rely on external resources to make me happy, but that is not sustainable.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, I like to go shopping. (laughs) I like to go on fun dates. I like to have an experience of really success in my in my profession, and and that all gives me joy. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't feel genuine, then I'm you know it it doesn't feel right. So
0: I mean, you're talking to uh, you just said a whole bunch of mouthfuls, Madison, that were really <laughs> awesome. I mean, just everything you said about the relationship with yourself and your identity and how it's really not uh, you know your infertility or your body or all those things. It's about the love you have in your own heart for yourself and your core values. I love everything you said. And you're talking to two women who don't have children. Mm -hmm. I know. And so I can feel what you were saying, you know, immediately, like my story, not that this is about me, but just to interject a little bit is I always wanted a bunch of kids. I had endometriosis and Stein Leventhal's disease as a kid. And so I was told that it would probably be hard for me. And I, you know, had plenty of opportunities to get pregnant by accident uh, and it just never really happened. So I just assumed I'd be able to have kids. And then I got married and it was a challenge and and really couldn't have them and kind of learned later that I was glad I didn't have them because I would not have been a good parent and made the conscious decision that, no, I don't want children because not because I don't love babies and love kids. I do, but I just felt like in my own personal life, I, I had things in my childhood where I wanted to break a cycle. And so I made that decision. But when people ask, mm. do you have, how many children do you have? And the easiest answer for me to come up with was I, I couldn't have children. I can't have children because I felt like that would just stop them from asking me. Mm. And then it, it was, it would get worse. Yeah. Well, you could always adopt. And then I found myself expressing, hey, you know what? No, I don't think I'd be a good mom. And if someone says I wouldn't be a good mom, you should probably listen to that and not encourage them to have children, right? (laughs) But the opposite would happen. They would be like, oh, you'd make a great mom and blah, blah, blah. So it does somehow, as a woman, I think that it unfortunately is an expectation. The expectation isn't that we're going to love ourselves and we're going to have a great relationship with ourselves and we're going to spread joy to others is that you're going to do your right and have kids. I mean, come on, that's what you're built to do. But so I so appreciate everything you're saying. And and I don't know if you want to, Kara, you want to interject it all, but from a different perspective, Madison, I feel like I can kind of understand where you're coming from a little bit. But, you know, you're an amazing woman to identify these things and and to fall in love with yourself at such a young age. So many of us never do in life.
2: Thank you. I, I get the same, the same societal conversation, right? Like there's an expectation of women having kids and you know what the expectation should be exactly like what you said is loving yourself and making a positive impact on the world just by being who you are, you know, um, as what my condition is called is MRKH and there's support groups online. So I was actually um, making a conscious effort to reach out to ladies in the community and connect. And even during those conversations, they are, they want kids. Uh They're like gripping to have kids. And I'm like, wow, I really, I think you should focus on yourself. And I really think you would get a lot of joy out of that. But some people still, that shift hasn't happened for them yet. But I, you know, I want to make an impact on that. And I know, Kara, you don't have any children either. So I thought this was like the perfect people with this perfect conversation. And I'm sure you've experienced the societal expectations. What can you share about that?
1: Yeah, so I'll share a little bit about my story too. So I was married to my ex-husband when I was like 25 years old and so we did the you know I did the got married, bought a house and then we tried to have kids. So we were trying to have kids for I would say about a year I'm thinking and I got into the taking the temperature, the basal thermometer and trying to chart things. And I went to the doctor one day and I'm like, "Look at my charts. Like I'm not seeing the spike that I'm supposed to see or at least I don't see it every month and I can't, you know, and he's looking at the charts and then he's like, Well, let me do an ultrasound. And to me, now I'm 20 something years old. Let's say I was 27 years old or something or 28. When I hear ultrasound, I think of what you see on television with the pregnant woman and the, you know, he he gets the wand out, slaps a condom on it, and and puts it inside of me. And I'm like, whoa, what's going
0: on? (laughs) (laughs) He did a little
1: ultrasound, which I didn't know existed. I'm like, okay, thanks. Anyway, he's like, well, maybe you're only ovulating on, you know, one side through one ovary, or, you know, maybe the other one isn't ovulating, you know, or maybe you don't have any eggs on the, whatever. It was just kind of like one of those, just keep charting and keep trying. And and it wasn't, it didn't become a concern. So it ended up that our marriage started to deteriorate, not because of this. And once it started to, you know, go downhill, I'm like, okay, we're not going to we're not trying to have kids because we got to work on this. And then we ended up getting divorced. So, so I was single for a while. Alan and I met when we were both 39 years old and we've been together 12 years. But at that point, I think, and we both, we had talked about it. You know, it takes a little while. First of all, we met when we were 39. It takes a little while before you know that you want to be with this person and they're going to, you know, for an extended period of time or maybe, you know, for life. So by then it was early thirties. I think if we had met each other and started dating prior to earlier, maybe at 35, maybe by 37, it would have been, okay, let's, you know, cause I think he wanted to have more kids. I would have liked to have had one, but by the time we got together and realized we wanted to be together for a long time, I felt like even if physically I wasn't too old, I was kind of set in my ways and to have a, you know, be 42. And I'm this just for me personally at 42 to have a baby, it was just going to be something completely new. Like for me, having all this independence and not having anybody rely on me other than a cat, which is really easy to like walk out the door and have someone take care of her while I'm going on vacation. You don't do that when you have children. So I mean, maybe not until you get older, but so I, so I ended up, you know, not having children And I'm okay with that. There are some days that I kind of wish that there was a little mini me running around because I'd like to see what that, you know, looks like. It might be a little fun, but, but all in all, I think I made the right decision. And again, I really don't know if I might've had some clinical issues where I couldn't have children. I don't know that we never went that far. So I remember being asked, you know, I remember when we were trying um, we had another couple who was trying to have kids at the same time doing the whole basal thermometer, you know, that kind of thing. So we were kind of talking to each other about it. I do remember people asking, "Yo, when are you going to have kids? Oh, you know, and everyone says that because that's what you're supposed to say, I think. And you're supposed to expect from especially a young couple. But but I can imagine if you can't have children, that's a very hurtful, it could sting, And you don't, and the person doesn't know they're throwing a dart at you, but that could be a dart. And it's just, I I don't, I don't know how to, because you know, I want to say, even Madison, I want to ask you how you feel about, and you, I think you just already answered it a bit, but you know, there's still, of course, there's adoption. I also never thought, well, I was single from, let's see, I was divorced around thirty two, and Alan and I met around thirty nine, and I did some other dating in between, but I know women who. Had the urge to have children, and they're like, "Listen, if I'm not married by such and such a time, I'm going to adopt, and I'm going to do this on my own." And I think that's wonderful. That was never my thing either. I knew, me personally, I'm like, I can't do this by myself. There's no way I could do this by myself. And when you have, when you're in a relationship and you have a child, it still could happen that you end up doing it by yourself. But that was never my like Patty. I didn't. I don't have a lot of patience, and I see it come out when I'm with my nieces and I love my nieces dearly and they're just being kids, but I see myself not have patience. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'd be a great mom. So that's another thing that goes through me personally thinking about me. And, and it makes me sad when Patty said that about herself, I know what you mean because I'm saying it about myself, but it's kind of a, it kind of makes me sad to, to hear that from somebody else and to say it, but it's just realistically how I feel.
2: A couple of things, I think some women, their intentions around wanting to have a child is inauthentic and selfish. Yeah,
1: when they think the peep, women who don't have kids are selfish, and we are, <laughs> but that's a good selfish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've literally, Madison. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, and I'm on the other side of it, but I've literally have had women who couldn't conceive like we're going through all of the things care that you described taking the temperature going to the infertility doctor taking the drugs you know with their butt up in the air for thir- 3 hours after sex to try and have a child and going through like emotional torment because all they really want is to have a child and they cannot do that successfully look at me and literally say to me like how dare you not have a child here i am i can't and you can potentially and you're not even trying like how dare you take that role on like that that shouldn't even be your right that you know like you should have a child and give it up to it for adoption for me kind of thing i don't know if you if you know in that support group that you're in if you hear things like that um but yeah i think it's like people can become really polar in their own mind about what they're their needs and their desires are and project that onto others who aren't doing it. I think that's common in, in most subjects. Right. But,
2: and I feel like women should support women. women. Yay, men. <laughs> right. So if that person really experienced self-love, I don't think they'd be having that kind of conversation with someone else. I don't, I don't think they would be carrying on to that resentment. I feel like they have their own healing journey to go through. And I'm not saying I'm totally healed, because I'm not, you know, my background is child development, my parents owned a preschool, that was my first job, and I was going to take over the school. And, you know, I got my baby fix and i know that i would be a great mom like i i would want to have a kid just to teach them how to be awesome and like <laughs> really embody the self love and you know i struggle i'm 29 almost 30 and my lifestyle that i live right now i can't have a a, a child everywhere i go like that would that doesn't i i can't see that right now but Yeah, maybe one day I could adopt or have a surrogate. And and I'm not quite sure. But sometimes when I see uh, movies that talk about kids, I'm like, I get sad. I'm like, man, you know, I I get reminded of what I never got. Mm -hmm. And that is an opportunity to practice gratitude, to be like, wait a second, I'm grateful yeah. I mean, I had that moment of sadness and that's where it's coming from. But honestly, I have my whole life ahead of me and I can make a positive impact on the children that I do interact with, you know, my friends, kids, and, you know, I just, kids are so inspiring to me because they're totally themselves. They're just like walking around, dancing, singing, <laughs> They're just like full of life. And that's who I want to be. So if I can be that for everybody else in the world, and maybe one day have a kid of my own, whether it's through adoption or surrogacy, or maybe I meet someone that has a kid that I can kind of be, you know, know, like a guiding figure in their life, Uh, something like that. I just just know I'm here to make an impact. And I don't know exactly how, but I just, I feel like it's just who I am.
0: I have a Guess and an idea that you're already making a huge impact to all of those around you and through your work. So I think you're an amazing person. And Madison, I'm curious if you could go back into that doctor's office and if you could walk side by side with that 13 year old girl out the door and you could grab her for a few minutes, what would you tell her?
2: That the feelings that you feel right now are okay to feel and it's going to get better like you're gonna you don't know the reason yet and they're you're made for something more
1: oh I like that
2: something like that like this doesn't define you and you're you're up to greatness like go be great like it's okay to be sad because I feel like you have to feel those feelings you have to kind of experience the sadness and work through the resentment because you grow but you know, it it gets better. Like you're, 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 you're made for this.
1: I love that. And I just wanted to touch on what you said about, you know, meeting somebody one day, maybe being in a relationship with somebody who has children. So I kind of alluded to this, but for people who don't know me, you know, I said something about Alan and I, and Alan wanting more kids. Alan has two beautiful daughters who I got to meet when they were 11 years old. So I've seen them grow up. They're now 23 and it's been wonderful for me. So definitely um, I would highly recommend that as well. If you meet <laughs> somebody. Well, I mean, if you meet somebody and he has children, I mean, that's certainly, that's a, it's a wonderful way to, to have, you know, step into a family. It's really great. And, you know, and I did mention my nieces too. I have a wonderful, two beautiful nieces. So I love it. I love having, there's a lot of girl power on my side, which is awesome actually.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's, it's really awesome to make an impact. You know, my sister, she's 21. She doesn't want to have kids. And, and when I was younger, I was like, well, can you have be my surrogate? And she's like, no, I don't, I don't really want to put my body through that. And, you know. I might have felt a certain type of way like a little upset but but now I'm like you probably shouldn't have kids like it's just, just you know yeah. <laughs> so I I think through the healing process you become more acceptance of yourself and for others at least that's how it's been for me and now it's just it's not always green grass with pretty flowers but I I do know that when I water something it grows Mm. so when I pay attention to myself and my feelings and I care for myself in the way that I need then I grow and that's a really it's it's quite the gift
0: Madison will you describe to us your self-care routine like what you do on a daily basis for yourself
2: well you know sometimes because I'm single I wake up in the morning and I get upset. <laughs> uh, you get upset? Yeah. Cause you know, every, I feel like everybody wants, um, to experience a relationship with someone that they share experience, like moments with and create memories with and share your life with. Right. So I don't have that. So I wake up and I, some days I'm like, ah, I don't want to get out of bed. and I'm like, wait a second. I practice gratitude. I'm like, okay, what am I grateful for before I even get out of bed. So that's that's number 1. Journaling. I have like this five subject journal that has, you know, different sections like one is gratitude. So I then I write down what I'm grateful for and then another one is setting my intentions. So yes, I have a full day of meetings or tasks that I have to do or whatever that looks like. So I take a look at each activity that I need to do and set my intention for it. So I'm clear on, on how I want things to go. And I also journal, I take questions and I, I write out answers just to interest, be introspective. Um, walking every day has changed my whole life. Just being outside in nature. I'm not a runner. I have a bike, but I don't really ride it. Walking is my favorite form of exercise. So I, I live close to the trail. I hop on the trail and just walk. Yoga is really great to stretch and creating something also. Just, um, I don't know whether it's anything, you just creating, even tapping into the feminine energy, like in practicing art or just dancing or just kind of movement and creation. Th- those are, that's part of my self-care routine. That's great.
0: Thanks for sharing that with us.
2: Yeah. Oh, and you can't forget water. (laughs) Lots of water. I feel like I'm a mom when I, when I uh, remind people to drink water, I like check in with people. Hey, have you drank your water today? (laughs) Who do you do that that with your family or friend? I have a couple clients and they're uh, outside doing a uh, tree service or landscaping or, you know, the guys are working. It's mostly guys, I guess, some women. But, you know, when people are working outside in the heat, I'm like, and I'm there filming or doing this or that, taking pictures. Um, I'm like, drink your water. You know, <laughs> I come <laughs> at Lucky Lobster. I love to go to Lucky Lobster in Deneen and it's like one of my favorite Places to go. I for lunch. I just go sit at the bar, and it feels like I know everybody. And I'm like, Tom, drink your water. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: is a great place. <laughs> That's awesome. Madison, you've said that you want to, you know, be a support system or support person for women who are dealing with infertility issues. Will you share with us how you see that happening for yourself? Like what you see yourself doing? We when I introduced you, it was. You know, you want to be an author and a speaker. Is that the kind of speaking and book writing you want to do? Is around the subject?
2: Yes, I've always known that I wanted to be an author and a speaker. And then when I shared that, people would ask me, "Well, what are you speaking about?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I just want to inspire people." So that kind of made me take a, a look at, "Well, what is what is my topic? How can I make the biggest impact?" and being a part of the facebook groups for the certain condition that i have i constantly see women upset not sure what to do or how to navigate through those feelings and it it breaks my heart cuz it's like you're not you're not your condition who you are is how you interact with the world so if i can and and part of that is is for me to heal that area too, Mm -hmm. right? Like going to therapy and writing down my thoughts and, and then putting that together in a book where people can read and find some, find some inspiration and, and then go speak about it. So there's the condition I think happens in one in 5,000 women. Wow. So there's space for me to go and make an impact and, I try to build a community of, of people who are local and I, you know, and we met and they're. I feel like they're stuck. And I just, if I can write it in down and be like, hey, these are reasons why you should love yourself and put yourself first and have like a guide for people to kind of refer to and develop their relationship with themselves and then go speak about it at conferences or just give people some access to freedom.
0: That's awesome. I love that last sentence.
2: Yeah. Madison, so can you say the name of the
1: condition again of the acronym? I guess it's...
2: It's M-R-K-H. It's Meyer Rutensky something. I don't I don't even know what it is. That's fine. M-R-K-H. It's just, I'm, I wanted it repeated for people who are listening just in case they know
1: somebody or if they themselves haven't known. I would imagine in this day and age if you're diagnosed with something like that you google it right away let's say also knowing that there are support groups i'm sure there are people that initially would shy might shy away from something like that saying well i don't really need that or i don't want to hear about other people having having the same thing i do and and having i don't want to accept this and you know being in some de- denial can you speak a little bit to to the support group? And if it's been a positive experience
2: for you? The positive experience that I've gotten from the support group is seeing how much hurt that there is in the world, as far as the women who are diagnosed with a condition and seeing an opportunity to make an impact on that. Before, when I was diagnosed, I was like, I'm never going to tell anybody. I mean, as unless I'm dating you and we're you know, getting closer that you might want to know that, but I'm not going to ever be like this poster child or like this advocate for it. But you know, I was really resisting that. I I wanted to hide that about myself, you know, and and not be public about that. I don't even think I've shared like a anything on Facebook about that. Like nobody knows. I don't think anybody knows unless I've told you. You know, the obviously you can't tell. You know someone can't have kids from the outside. but so I noticed my resistance to it. and then I noticed how it kept coming up, and I kept being sad about it. And I'm like, man, I thought I was healed from this. I thought I was okay with this. But, you know, I, I still have some work to do. So connecting with other women in the group is is helpful for me to. Have that conversation, get their perspective on things, and then share my story and us grow together beyond the condition.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. And I think support, that's what support groups do offer. It just, I'm not surprised that you say at the beginning, Well, I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't even want to go to a support group, even though these other people are experiencing the same thing. I didn't want to be one of them. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. So, and that's why I asked, and I thought maybe if someone, is listening, who has MRKH, um, or knows somebody who does and is kind of resisting, maybe they can, um, you know, they, this might encourage them to seek out some support.
2: Yeah, that would be awesome. I feel like everybody needs a team in their life, you know, coaches, friends, you need a team, you're you're not alone. Sometimes it feels like you're alone, but, and, and you could get stuck in being alone and being okay with being alone and just sort of, um, like just in your own world, but who we are meant to be as a community. And when we rely on each other, then we elevate each other. Agreed. It takes a village does. Does. Or, a, or a tribe, right? It takes a tribe. Find your tribe. You guys are part of my tribe. I'm so thankful for both of you. Thankful to like have this platform to share my thoughts
0: thank you, Madison. Thanks for being so vulnerable with us. And, and really, I feel like you're kind of coming out and it's a privilege to hold space for that. And you're, again, you're going to be a survival guide for others who are suffering with the, is it okay to be me mm. feeling, you know, and it is okay. You are perfectly imperfect as the rest of the human race is. That's exactly what we all are. And I I think that to wrap this up, a great question would be, what do you tell the people who are listening, who are struggling, loving themselves, accepting themselves, who have put a label on themselves, whether it was through a diagnosis or through a little itty bitty shitty committee in their head? What do you tell them? What do you say to them? What's your gift to give to them?
2: That is my gift would be that you can create the life that you want and you're not stuck ever. Some it's not easy to reframe your brain, but our brains are really smart. Like if you ask the right questions, you'll get the answers. If you, you know, it's about perspective. It's about the way that you look at things. I mean, I could be in heaven if I believe it or I can be in hell if I believe it, and it takes a lot of effort to change your perspective and change your mind. And change the lens, but it's so worth it. So, if I were to give anyone a gift, it would be practice gratitude. Like, what take a look and see what you're grateful for and go beyond that and notice how it's impacting your life in a positive way. Some people could say, I'm grateful for my cup of coffee this morning. Well, how does that really impact your day? Well, maybe it's a ritual that you have for yourself that you, maybe that's time for yourself. So, so now instead of being grateful for the cup of coffee, you're grateful to gift yourself time with yourself. I I would say, look at the deeper meaning and and practice gratitude. That's great. I like that. I like looking at the deeper meaning too.
1: And I just want to echo Patty's sentiments, Madison. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and being a guest here with us. I know you've been a cheerleader for us. Um, as we got started, you were, um, very excited for us and gave us some pointers and stuff and, and have encouraged us to maybe do this and publish the video as well. And maybe one day we will, <laughs> <laughs> and we know who to come to, to help us out with that. But thank you very much. This is, this has been inspiring. It really has.
2: Oh, great. Um, Thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited to share in my personal network, my story. I've never been able to do it in a way that is feels authentic. So this conversation is really helpful for me and it gives me an opportunity to be vulnerable and share myself with others. We hope this podcast has inspired and empowered you to overcome what might
1: be holding you back from living your best life. If you love this podcast, please share it with a woman you know who needs a little empowerment.
0: Now go out in the world and be bold, be brave, be you. Perfectly imperfect you. With love, Cara and Patty.
1: I what would happen if you say what you want to say.
2: Des, I'm sorry. We need to (laughs) scratch that last part. Mixed
1: and edited by Desmond McNeese for We Mixed It, LLC. Go to whatsoundsawesome.com.